Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yeah. 
Mi kalo amin, mi viatu. 
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Thanks for listening around the world at jmdm.org and of course on the NSN app. It's a Friday on this February 26th, the 17th day in the month of Adar 1, the year 5776, Tuf and Vav. Welcome to a Friday, 6.35 in the morning, 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. My name is Nahum Siegel, and Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitisa, with candlelighting time at 5.24 on this Erev Shabbos, 5.24, your official candlelighting time. Arye Kunstler, it's a nice song to hear on a Friday morning. Avremo had lo avo, kanfei nesharim done by Simcha Liner, Lenny Solomon and Sormi Shalo, a Shabbat in Liverpool. Yismach Melech, a brand new song from Shlomo Katz that I can't stop playing. I just think it's great. I hope everyone out there agrees with me. Ohad with Kolat Kim and Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 34 degrees outside, pretty chilly with 51% humidity. Winds are west at 8 miles an hour. Partly cloudy, windy today and a high temperature of 58. Then tonight, clear skies, a low 24. Wow. Didn't realize it was going to be that cold tonight. Sunny tomorrow, a high shop is 45 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 68. We're at 34 right now in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hey, Susie Fishbein, who's going to be debuting her brand new and latest and last of the Kosher by Design uh, cookbooks uh, at the um, SOY. That's funny. In the old days, we called it that. At the YU Farm Sale this coming Sunday. 1 o'clock this coming Sunday. She'll be stopping by JM in the AM this coming Monday. Yeah. 15 years she's been doing Kosher by Design. Over half a million copies sold. And the Kosher by Design brings it home. Has 115 tempting international recipes accompanied by magnificent full-color photos. She has um, recipes that she learned from great chefs from Italy, France, Mexico, Israel, and across North America. Anyway, Susie's here Monday. At some point, she's stopping by our quaint fourth-floor studios. And um, she'll be at the uh, Sfarim sale up at YU on Sunday. By the way, speaking of YU, Yeoman Zephyr by the YU Maccabees. Uh, unfortunately, they were not able to continue the run to the Skyline Championship. That came to an end last night at Old Westbury. But what an amazing season they had. What an amazing season they had. And we acknowledge that and we acknowledge them and congratulate them on an incredible season. Coach Elliot Steinmetz and the YU Maccabees made 
Jews and YU fans around the world very, very proud over the last few months, that's for sure. That is for sure. I mean, they've made us proud for decades, but uh, you know what I mean, extra proud because of what happened uh, in the postseason. Um, full schedule today uh, for us here. Uh, Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock right after uh, JM in the AM on jmnam.org and the NSN app. And, of course, Kedem presents an incredible Arab Shabbos music mix in advance of their kosher food and wine experiences coming Monday. Uh, that goes on all the way until uh, candle lighting time. And we look forward to that. Rabbi Yudin, of course, will join us. And Malcolm Honline an hour from now. Malcolm Honline, one hour from now, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us. Uh, we'll do the weekly update and get his take on a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot of things happening. So that'll be happening just over an hour from now right here at JMN. Make sure to be listening in. Hey, Matis has an amazing show planned for Sunday, by the way. JM Sunday, which starts at 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. So he, number one, he has uh, scheduled um, uh, to speak on uh, on Sunday with uh, Miriam Peretz, author of Miriam's Song, the story of Miriam Peretz. That's number one. He has Gary Scher. Uh, assemblyman in the um, uh, New York, uh, New Jersey uh, State Assembly, who's part of that big delegation to Israel. He has him coming on, and Asaf Cohen, the actor, uh, to discuss the Oscars and diversity in Hollywood, etc., 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 with Matas. All those topics are also scheduled. So it could be as as chock full as JM Sunday always is. It could be extra chock full this Sunday of all those guests pan out, and right now it looks like they will. So uh, congratulations to Matas on that. And everyone should tune in and listen in Sunday morning because uh, we are really in existence uh, six mornings a week, not five, because JM Sunday starts at 7 o'clock Eastern time on uh, on Sundays uh, on jamnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. 21 minutes before 7 o'clock, 34 degrees, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for tuning in. We continue with more. Speaking of the Maccabees, here are the Maccabees.
Oh, 
Green and Nishmas. You heard Accept Saturday with Mizmor Shir. Chazan Yanki Lemmer with the Zmiros Medley. Mimkomcha done by the folks from Mizumin with Heshi Rubin and Company. And the Maccabees in Lachado D at JM and the AM. Friday morning. 
America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. And, of course, on the NSN app, which continues to become more and more and more popular out there. Golly, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Reminder, Susie Fishbein among our guests on Monday. The best-selling author is out with her latest and last of the Kosher by Design series. Kosher by Design brings it home. Susie Fishbein's final installment in that cookbook series. She'll be at the uh, YU Farm Sale 1 o'clock on Sunday to debut the book. Joins us coming up Monday here at JM&AM in our quaint fourth-floor studios. So we look forward to greeting her here, Bezrat Hashem. Reminder about JM Sunday with Matis has a whole list of great guests. Uh, Miriam Peretz, author of Miriam's Song. Uh, Gary Sher, the assemblyman from New Jersey with the delegation to Israel. Asaf Cohen from Hollywood. The actor all scheduled for Sunday with Matis between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on JM Sunday. So make sure to be tuned in for that. JMNAM.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Coming up after JMNAM this morning, it'll be uh, Naomi Nachman with her latest installment of Table for Two. It's coming up uh, at 9 o'clock right after JMNAM. Gabriel Geller from Royal Wines will join her, and superstar chef Srilly Edelman from Izzy's Brooklyn Smokehouse. Now we're calling him a superstar chef already. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's going to be there as well. It's going to be a good edition of uh, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. You'll be able to see the video on the homepage at NachumSiegel.com, 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM as well. And uh, 10 o'clock for Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. That goes all the way until candlelighting time as we... Extend our good wishes to everybody at Kedem as they get ready for the KFWE Monday night, the kosher food and wine experience coming up Monday night in New York City. Candle lighting at 524, Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisisa. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday next at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Ashtain, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, שביתת הרעב של האסיר הפלסטיני מוחמד אלקיק הסתיימה, כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. אלקיק סיים את שביתת הרעב שלו הבוקר בתום 94 ימים וזאת בנוכחות בני משפחתו, חברי כנסת וגורמים המטפלים בעניינו. בצד הפלסטיני אומרים כי ישראל הסכימה לשחררו ב-21 במאי, כלומר מיד עם תום ששת חודשי המעצר המנהלי השני שנקבע לו. עד אז יחשב אלקיק עצור ויטופל בישראל באיזה בית חולים שיבחר, אולם לא ישבות רעב. בישראל לא מגיבים על הדיווחים. פלסטיני המבוקש בידי ישראל נמצא מת בבולגריה כשעל גופו סימני אלימות. כתבתנו נועם דהן. התביעה בבולגריה הודיעה כי עומר נאיף זייד בן ה-52 מת כתוצאה מאלימות בזמן ששהה בשגרירות הפלסטינית בסופיה. השגריר הפלסטיני העניק גישה לתחומי השגרירות לצוותי חקירה ורפואה משפטית על מנת לחקור את סיבת המוות שעדיין אינה ידועה. זייד שהה בבולגריה משנת 1994 ומצא מקלט מדיני בשגרירות בסוף השנה החולפת מחשש שיוסגר לישראל והורשע ברצח בחור ישיבה ישראלי במזרח ירושלים בשנת 1986. מרבית ארגוני המורדים בסוריה הסכימו לנצור את נשקם הלילה בחצות. קרן בן מרדכי. ארגוני המורדים הודיעו כי הם מוכנים להפסיק את הלחימה בסוריה לשבועיים כחלק מההסכם שנרקם בין רוסיה לארצות הברית וצפוי להיכנס לתוקפו הלילה בחצות. על פי ההסכם הלחימה נגד ארגוני הטרור דאעש וג'בת הנוסרה תימשך, אך ארגוני המורדים הדגישו כי המשטר בסוריה לא יוכל לנצל את ההסכם ולהמשיך את התקיפות במסווה של לחימה בטרור. 
חבר הכנסת אביגדור ליברמן תוקף את החלטתו של שר האוצר משה כחלון להעביר לרשות הפלסטינית כחצי מיליארד שקלים כספי מיסים שגבתה עבורה ישראל. זה נראה כמו תשלום דמי חסות על מנת לקנות שקט. רוב הכסף ילך למימון הטרור. נראה יותר פיגועים, יותר ניסיונות פיגועים ויותר שפיכות דמים. וכמובן... הרבה יותר הסתה מרשות הפלסטינית ומכל הגופים הנתמכים על ידי רשות הפלסטינית. כתבי אישום נגד שבעה מאנשי כנופיה שנעצרו בחשד שסחטו קשישים ברחבי הארץ. כתבנו רמי שני. אנשי הכנופיה נהגו להתקשר לקשישים לאחר שאספו מידע רב עליהם ולהעמיד אותם בפני מצג שווא בו אחד מבני משפחתם גרם לתאונת דרכים קשה והכסף נועד לממן טיפול רפואי לנפגעים ולהביא לסגירת התיק מול רשויות החוק. למשטרה הוגשו 220 תאונות שעניינן סחיטת כסף וההערכה היא כי באופן הזה נלקחו מהקשישים שני מיליון שקלים. הסתיים מרתון תל אביב, מסכם איתמר קציר. במרתון תל אביב שהגיע לסיומו השתתפו כ-40 אלף רצים בחמישה מסלולים שונים, ביניהם מסלול מרתון מלא באורך 42 קילומטרים. הזוכה במקצה המרתון הראשי הוא וויליאם קיפורנו יגון הקנייתי שזכה במרוץ בפעם השנייה ברציפות. צוותי מגן דוד אדום פינו ארבעה עשר רצים שסבלו ממכת חום ותשישות במצב קל ובהכרה מלאה לבתי החולים השונים. התחזית מחר היא ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות, אך יוסיף להיות חם מהרגיל בעונה. בתחילת השבוע תורגש התחממות משמעותית. אלה החדשות שערך עמרי רחמימוב, בצוות נועם קליין ועמית פומפס. Shalom, 
Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, that is uh, Oseh Shalom, done by the Waterbury Yeshiva on the CD entitled Stay With Me. Ten minutes after seven o'clock, good morning all, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kitisa, with candlelighting time at 5.24 on this Erev Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline in a half hour from now, weekly update, we'll go through the news of the week, talk about some of the things that uh, that have been in the news over the last few days. Lots of things going on, that's for sure. Partly cloudy, windy today, and a high temperature of 58. Susie Fishbein, among our guests Monday, scheduled to stop by JM in the AM. The final one of the Kosher by Design cookbooks is introduced Sunday at the uh, Yeshiva University YU Sfarim sale. And then Monday we speak to her. 1 o'clock she appears up at YU on Sunday. That'll be at 1 p.m. We'll be uh, we'll be in Brooklyn on Sunday. Uh, the grand opening of the Buzz on Coney Island Avenue that starts at 12 noon with government officials and a whole bunch of great celebrations. Naomi Nachman among the among the um, uh, demonstrators, <laughs> those doing food demonstrations, <laughs> no protests. Uh, she'll be there, and uh, they'll have an illusionist and plenty of entertainment and a whole bunch of great things. It's happening on Coney Island Avenue at the Buzz. Big grand reopening. Happening on Sunday, we say Mazal Tov to the Berman family, and I look forward to seeing everybody there starting at 12 noon on Coney Island Avenue. That's where we'll be on a Sunday morning, so come on out if you're in Brooklyn and say hi. I think the weather is supposed to be pretty good on Sunday, so that's reassuring and certainly welcome. Uh, so check that out and to get ready to enjoy. We'll talk about um, uh, the Nefesh Benefesh mega event on Monday as well. The mega event is happening next Sunday on March the 6th. And um, we'll have a chance to speak about it and we'll have a chance to actually webcast from the mega event a week from Sunday. But plenty more about that next week. Those of you who have ever considered Aliyah, have you ever considered moving to Israel, very important event going on in New York City, March the 6th, and we'll have details, of course, for you here at JM in the AM. Big day for us as we continue after JM in the AM with Naomi Nachman and um, Table for Two. That's going to be on the video at NachumSiegel.com and, of course, audio everywhere um, starting at 9 o'clock this morning right after JM in the AM. And then Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time in advance of the big KFWE, the Kosher Food and Wine Experience, which is happening in New York City this coming Monday night. We wish everybody at Kedem the best of luck with that. That is always an amazing and incredible event. And we'll have a chance to stop by there Monday evening. Please, God. More coming up. Brand new Shlomo Cats. It's JM in the AM. <laughs>
J.M. and the A.M. That's Shimon Kramer, of course. Kella, those is the name of that selection. Before that, you heard the Lenny Solomon at Shabbat in Liverpool with Curry Bone. Shabbos Kodesh, done by the Rabbi's son. 7.31 Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Kitisa, candle lighting at 5.24 on this Erev Shabbos. 5.24 candle lighting time. Susie Fishbein among our guests on Monday. She's coming out with the... Uh, Last of the Kosher by Design series, Kosher by Design brings it home. She'll be at the YU's Farm Sale 1 o'clock this coming Sunday. And then with us uh, Monday morning as part of our lineup here at JM in the AM. A week from Monday starts our 2016 fundraising marathon to keep us going here at JM in the AM and radio station WFMU. We're going to ask everybody out there to give generously and make sure we keep going. Anybody out there who would like to uh, volunteer during our fundraiser, or if you're an establishment that wants to cater breakfast for our staff and volunteers, or if you want to be in touch about stopping by our radio station during our two-week fundraiser, you can just email us, nachum at wfmu.org, nachum, N-A-C-H-U-M at wfmu.org, and we'll pass that request on to the right place, depending on where it needs to go. And uh, looking forward to um, a very successful couple of weeks starting uh, a week from Monday here at JM and AM. JM Sundays uh, happening Sunday morning starting at 7 o'clock. Matis Weingast speaks with author Miriam Peretz, author of Miriam's Song. He's also scheduled to have Assemblyman Gary Scher, who's part of the New Jersey delegation heading to Israel, uh, with him on Sunday morning. And actor Asaf Cohen is scheduled as well to join Matis, speak about the Oscars and diversity in Hollywood, etc., 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 that's all in an action-packed JM Sunday starting at 7 o'clock Sunday morning. You can hear the whole thing at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. So uh, get ready for that this coming Sunday morning. Ten minutes away from our weekly update. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. We will do our weekly update. And um, going on, that's for sure. A lot going on. Sunday, we're going to be at the Buzz Grand opening of the Buzz on Coney Island Avenue in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Come join us starting at 12 noon. Uh, many government officials, uh, the Berman family, of course, and uh, many prominent individuals in the community are going to be part of the uh, actual ribbon cutting there on Sunday. And we'll be there for a couple of hours starting at 12 noon. So if you are anywhere near Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, this coming Sunday, stop by and say hello. 12 noon starts the ceremony for the grand opening at the Buzz in Brooklyn, New York, on Coney Island Avenue. All right, keep that in mind, and we look forward to seeing everybody uh, come out on Sunday in Brooklyn. J.M. in the A.M. with 34 degrees, partly cloudy, windy today, and a high temperature of, uh, of 38. I was about to say 58. 24 the low tonight, tomorrow going up to 45 with a sunny Shabbos uh, scheduled weather-wise. <laughs> We're at 68 in Yerushalayim, 34 here in Jersey City. Again, candle lighting at 524. It's Friday morning and it's JM in the AM. <laughs>
Shlomo Simcha with uh, Huel Okenu. Shalshelis Jr. before that with Vishamru off the brand new CD entitled Thankful. The Adidim Choir with Yanki Orlansky and Company off of their volume 2 with Curry Bone. JM and AM Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Kitisa. Candlelighting time at 524. 524 candlelighting time on this uh, era of Shabbos. Rabbi Yudin coming up, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour. Talk about the Torah portion. Naomi Nachman, table for two, starting at 9 o'clock at jmnam.org and on the NSN app, of course. If you miss any of our weekly update, or miss uh, the beginning of it, or the end of it, or whatever the case may be, uh, the weekly update is in the uh, archive section of the NSN app almost immediately after its completion. So you could check it out through the app and, of course, through the website and uh, get the entire full story of what we discuss here on the air. Um... Each and every Friday morning, again, very close to its conclusion time. Makes things very, very easy. I want to remind you that Kedem presents the incredible era of Shabbos music mix starting at 10 o'clock right after Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. Today it's in advance of the big KFWE happening Monday night, the Kosher Food and Wine Experience happening Monday night in New York City. So we say congratulations and mazal tov to them on that big accomplishment. Sunday, we're going to be at the grand opening of The Buzz. That's uh, happening on Coney Island Avenue starting at 12 noon Eastern time in Brooklyn, New York. Government officials and prominent guests are scheduled to start gathering at 12 noon Eastern time. So come on by and say hello. It's supposed to be a big, big celebration of a really magnificent place. Smack in the middle of Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn. So the grand opening of The Buzz is uh, Sunday. And uh, cooking demonstrations... Um, government officials, big ribbon cutting ceremony, um, whole bunch of great stuff scheduled for Sunday entertainment scheduled for Sunday on Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all of their millions of listeners or readers rather. Want to print out a thousand articles before Shabbos or two thousand articles before Shabbos having to do with Israel and other Jewish interests. Go to jewishworldreview.com. I'm not even kidding. There's unbelievable material there. Also, a big thank you to our friends at OnlySimplist.com. OnlySimplist.com has added in recent months an amazing news section. In addition to all their great Simcha news, they continue to report. And our material continues to find its way into that live feed, into that news feed. So thank you, OnlySimplist.com, for including us and for uh, alerting everybody to the activities here at JM in the AM. Uh, if... Um, if tradition holds and Malcolm Honline is available, he'll join us two weeks from today in studio at the end of week one of our JM&AM 2016 Marathon Fundraiser. That's how we keep going here each and every year, by asking everybody to generously contribute to JM&AM and, and WFMU. And again, Malcolm will hopefully be joining us live in studio two weeks from today to uh, encourage that and to be part of the fundraising effort. Uh, meanwhile, today and, of course, next week, we are planning on regular sessions of our weekly update. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. joins us for the weekly update. He's actually back from the Holy Land. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yes, thank you. You remember what these shores look like, huh? Very familiar. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, after all these years. Um, and I hope the journey was uh, was one of great accomplishment, I'm sure. It was. I'll start with this. Oh, and I have to congratulate the uh, gentleman from Kenya who won the uh, Tel Aviv Marathon earlier today. That's right, in Israel. Now you know we've made it, Malcolm. There are marathons in major Israeli cities. 
like any other any other big city around the globe. Now you know that Israel has made it. Well, the president of Kenya was there uh, last week for three days in a very important state visit. And, uh, in fact, one of the things that was discussed is the upcoming 40th anniversary of the Entebbe event, and it looks like Netanyahu may well go to Uganda. Wow. This summer. Anniversary. This summer. Uh, this uh, summer, right, exactly, in July. Uh, or I think we're, we're, it may go in June. And... Um, and uh, I spoke to people last night in Tel Aviv or very early this morning who told me about the mobs in the streets and, and how, in very positive ways, and how the spirit, despite the, some of the incidents that have taken place, that uh, the people of Israel are resilient and they're out there plugging away. And it's the same thing that we saw with people going to the hotel, people going about their daily lives. The absence is the tourists, and we have to really correct that. And I hope that everybody... Everybody will. It was 74 in Tel Aviv this week. It's the weather was gorgeous in Israel, and all the time we were there, while it was four degrees here and today again freezing. Uh, I see no reason why people instead of Florida go to Israel. Oh, so you don't like the weather here? I see. <laughs> I well, heard. As long as I don't have to shovel. I'm heard okay. a little resentment in your voice when you were mentioning the freezing weather here. Um, well, yes, there's no question, and we have been trying to encourage people to, in fact, do what you just suggested and get to Israel as often as possible and as soon as possible. You mentioned the incidents more, of course, today, uh, but as you experienced, and we did as well, and everyone seems to be experiencing uh, 99.9% of the time, and this is a something that the mayor of Jerusalem emphasized to us and continues to emphasize correctly to people around the world. Uh, when it comes to uh, episodes and incidents in major cities, Israel still is far, far down on the list, and uh, we got to keep perspective. I- I'm going to start with this. Uh, I'm sure everyone's curious about your opinion. I don't know if it's if it's easy to give a definitive opinion, uh, but when it has to do with terror, you're one of the experts we turn to. Should Apple unlock the cell phone of a terrorist? What do you think? Look, I understand the sensitivities and the freedom of speech issues and the right of privacy, but when lives are at stake and when they're asking for one phone to be to be opened, my inclination is that that there could be vital information there. We don't know that there ought to be court orders to do it, so it can't be just done willy-nilly. But I think that the information should be given because. It's, it, uh, you know, afterwards look back and regret and say, well, had we done it, it's not a, you know, a fishing expedition. You have every reason to suspect that this guy had connections to, to terrorism because he was involved in it. So my, my predilection is yes. And obviously the, uh, the, um, uh, the argument is, I guess, that, you know, it, it starts some type of precedent, slippery slope, you know, the, the, of course, the but pro- I think that. That's why the court order. Why it's why building in the protections. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, think of all the investigations in the old days that people didn't have access to the property of a person or to the to be for uh, detectives to be able to scan a place. You could say it's privacy. It was a guy's apartment, you should, a house. You shouldn't be allowed in. Right. Well, that's why you get a court order, and that's why you get you have to have some protections for it. Are you uh, are you shocked that Israel has suddenly become such a major issue, especially in the Republican uh, uh, nomination process for president? Well, you see, till now the international affairs generally, including Israel, have not really been the subject of of much intensive debate or discussion between the candidates. So, 
I think it's natural to do so, and I don't think that, um, even though it might make uh, certain commentators uh, upset uh, that uh, they talk about Israel, Israel is a key ally, and uh, the relationship with Israel is an important factor, not just to Jews, but to tens of millions of Christians, to people of all walks of life who care about the relationship, and because it is a bellwether for America's involvement in the Middle East, and we see that more and more, and especially during our recent trip in, in uh, Egypt and elsewhere, and my meetings uh, this past week with, with people from the region, you know, how, how they view the U.S.-Israel relationship determines how many will perceive their own relationship. And if they hear candidates saying, look, we stand by our allies, it's what Putin is consistently demonstrating in his actions, which may not always appear to be in the best interest of Russia or by Western assessments, but his message to them, and the message you hear back is, Putin stands by his friends, and Putin is really ready to stand up against uh, the West, and now has this coalition, which some people feel is, is the number one challenge, the, the Hezbollah, um, Iran, um, Russian, and uh, I would say um, Axis in, in Syria, and the relationship that exists between them uh, as, as a potential game changer. It will could have an impact in, in Baghdad. It can have other right. ramifications. So to, that Israel becomes an issue, should, should we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We should be proud of it because people understand the importance. Yeah, not, not to be too cynical, but let me ask it this way. And I'm not asking for a, an endorsement or for you to discuss any specific candidate, but is there any reason to believe that any candidate at this point, is is so much more or so much less dedicated to Israel than the other ones. When you hear all this back and forth and the major statements that are being made and people tripping over each other to, to get out the statements and to, and to make sure to say the right words when it comes to Israel, do you sort of say to yourself there's not much difference between all this or we really have no idea what the reality is in terms of how they'll really deal with Israel? Well, you can look at voting records in some of the cases, and you can look at some of the statements that uh, at least one of the candidates um, in the total race, the Republican and Democrat, um, and uh, I think that there are, are reasons for people to at least look for indications and a willingness to stand up publicly and state what their view is. Refusal to do so is, is also a statement or criticism uh, is a statement in an election, but we know also that if, if all the promises were meaningful, we'd have 47 embassies of the United States in Jerusalem already. Right. We would have uh, many other things. But, you know, I don't believe that a, a candidate can be anti-Israel in, right. in, in, and win. Yeah, I understand that. The, yeah, the Jerusalem thing, I mean, and on top of that, when you hear a candidate... Go and I'm not I'm not singling anybody out here. This is I just this is I'm just maybe I am singling somebody out, but I'm, I'm citing a frustration that when you hear a candidate you know go through a list of things they would immediately do upon becoming president, and on that list, for instance, is you know the 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 um, uh, you know getting rid of the Iran deal. I, I don't even know, and I don't I'm, I'm sure you do, but I as a regular person have no clue. What the you know how procedurally one would go ahead and do that, and how easy or difficult it would be to do that. And oh, here's, I'm sorry, no, to hear someone just say it, you know, and as if you know, in one sentence, in one fell swoop, it can be done. It's just, it's irritating sometimes. Yes, but if you, it's it's a smart candidate who will do it because the latest polls show that 79 percent of the American people say they have an unfavorable view of Iran, 
versus I think 14% were favorable. And almost two-thirds, around 60% of Americans disapprove of the Iran nuclear deal while a third support it. So it is not an unpopular thing to do legally because, and I, I said this and it made a headline in a lot of places when I said that the, in Israel that the next president may not be bound by it. It was in response to a question. Right. Because it was never voted on by the Senate and it was it's not a treaty, the next president may not be bound by it. But right. to undo it will be difficult once you know that the Europeans and others will be so committed to this and have made deals and because their financial interests. But you should know that the deals are not flowing the way that people thought. The there's a, a lot of the banks are, are not involved. And you see how Iran today is, is involved in all sorts of activities that are going to alienate more and more support and uh, undermine the confidence in this deal, not only because of their activities in the nuclear uh, sphere, but look at the, the announcement this week that, uh, that they're paying money to the Palestinian terrorists right. and that every family uh, of, a, of an attacker gets, uh, I think, $7,000, and if their house is destroyed, they get $30,000. Right. And, and, you know, that this is, uh, we see that they, they cruise missiles, uh, that reports that they got from the Ukraine and, and the, uh, tr- they're t- trying now to buy the Sukhoi uh, uh, jet fighters from Russia or, in fact, just buying the ability and wanting to make them themselves, which is not such a great idea for us either. But if you look at this, at the, at the totality of their involvement, uh, pushing uh, Hezbollah, helping the Huranis in Yemen against the Saudi coalition, we see the Hamas delegation coming to Tehran this past week and and trying to heal the divisions and because they they need money uh, we see them pouring money into to ter- terrorism around the world no diminution no held holding to account uh, this whole thing still have gone essentially unchallenged and today will be a very critical day in iran because you have an election taking place uh, now, i was going to ask you <laughs> it's funny you say that i was going to ask one is that today literally today's the election literally today as we speak people are going to the polls and the the uh, you know in the last few days, Iran, true to its uh, the sub- regime's extremism, though purported to be moderate, you know what they did? They slowed down the web speeds. They they interfered with the internet and with um, TV access uh, because they were afraid of the the tendencies of people. Uh, this is an election for two things. One is the parliament, which I think is 280 seats and 88 seats on the assembly of experts which is the body that will have to select it and vote for the next Ayatollah, and therefore very important. And in the process, they eliminated, I think, 7,000 of the candidates who were not deemed conservative enough or radical enough. Uh, they reinstated, I think, 1,500. But in many cases, you have only one candidate running in a race. Yeah. And, in, and in the other cases, you know, you may have one or two, but the, the moderates were, were so uh, supposed uh, so, you know, moderate by their standards. Um, no Ahmadinejad guys were allowed to run, but on the other hand, you, you see that some of the extremist uh, uh, supporters were, were allowed. And what, what, is, what I hear is that the turnout in some of the areas, like in northern Tehran, is high, which is a protest vote against the, the government, Whereas in the poor areas where they where Ahmadinejad and others used to draw their support, the frustration levels are so high, the economic failure and and the corruption and other things that they see, people are staying home. So the question will be and and interesting, giving interviews with their names, protesting against the government. So it will be interesting to see 
several things. One is the level of the turnout. Two, the whether we get the the actual results. The, the extremists will control the the new marshals no matter what. They've they've set that up. But the question will be who who will control? Well, Rouhani, uh, who's seen as a supporter also of Rasmanjani. Um, the Khamenei came out and attacked them today, and they and called on people not to vote uh, in support of these guys. And we see the 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 um, uh, extremists that they, the, how they ha- are directing the activities around the world globally. Uh, we see some of the stuff that's coming to Hamas. You see the money for the tunnels. You see the support for Hezbollah, um, and and the payments uh, for terrorists. Pardon me? And the payments for terrorists. I mean, it's, and the it's, payments it's, for terrorists, <laughs> but the global support of terrorism right. in South America, all these other places are continuing unabated. And you see a country like Saudi Arabia, you know, finally gives up in Lebanon and withdraws the $3 billion that they give to the Lebanese army, which will only strengthen Hezbollah. But, you know, they said this is a response to, the, to uh, Lebanon not, attack, not criticizing and condemning the attacks on its diplomatic missions in Iran. So Lebanon had to make a choice at that point. And and um, the the Saudis are are responding, but it's also uh, a more or less an act of frustration, I guess, and and giving up. So Iran's hold in the Middle East is not diminishing at all, and the uh, and the flow of money, which has started, and we've seen some uh, money flowing, but. I don't think it's quite as much as people anticipate. Yeah, and that, and that's I mean that, that must be uh, for, for from your perspective very positive. I think you've only predicted you know overflowing reaction in terms of money into Iran once the deal no. was. I think I said all along that I don't think that a lot of the deals will come to fruition, and that the banks, which I did report many weeks about the banks still not being willing because of the American sanctions that are in place, and there have been some additional sanctions placed on individuals related to the missile industry related to Hezbollah. And um, but again, it doesn't take a lot of money to do what they did in regard to the Palestinian terrorists. For one, right? That's right. That's true. That, that, and and the missile program, which they've had all along, and and this thing with the Ukrainian uh, um, cruise missiles that they supposed to bought the Russian built uh, KH-53s that 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 have a range of about fifteen hundred miles. This this goes back more than ten years. I think it's from two thousand one, two thousand two. So. Um, you know, this is not stuff that they're necessarily uh, necessarily doing now. And and the UN resolution, uh, you know, some questions about what it removed and what it left, uh, 2231. But um, uh, clearly, the U.S. can stop. U.S. British friends can stop, for instance, the sale of the Sukhoi missiles if they decide to do so. To sale, stop the sales of parts for cruise missiles if they decide to do so. It is covered. Yeah, but what and about- the State Department put out a statement saying? That it is a violation of the arms embargo. Yeah, but none of this addresses private business ventures. I mean, that no. So the private, you're right, and and there are probably going to be deals. Don't forget, it's a market of 80 million people. Right, people that, and that's what, that's it. why I said you've described that to us that when that but market. The consumer of, items are never the problem. We never oppose medicines and carpets and all those things because you know that really goes to the people. Yeah, that's true. But but 45 percent of the economy is controlled by Khamenei and the Iran Revolutionary Guard. 45 percent. Wow. Which means that the deals that are coming in, they're going to make sure how they're directed and who's going to benefit. 
uh, from it. So we shouldn't think that just because you know money's going into consumer items that that doesn't go into the coffers of, of Ed Guy. Yeah, I mean, and, we, and we've seen this a million times before. PLO, Gaza, you could take a Hamas, a million examples of the, of the exact same thing, where you know money's intended for one purpose, and obviously those in control of the mafia make sure it goes whatever their purposes are. Exactly. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, of course, on the uh, NSN app. And I welcome those of you breaking records every week, it seems, on the NSN app at this point, in terms of people tuned in around the world on it, and I appreciate it very, very much. What do you think of this uh, topic last night that came up about, uh, you know, obviously we're concerned about terror coming in, from the south and other concerns as well when it comes to the Mexican border, but but terror coming in from the north on the Canadian border? What do you think of that whole issue? Well, you know, Hezbollah established, and if you remember, maybe 10 years ago or more, we talked about this on the air, and I said that, that Hezbollah's biggest presence at that time outside the Middle East was in Canada. It was around mm-hmm. the Toronto area and elsewhere. And in those days, we were talking about much, much smaller numbers than we're talking about today. Today, uh, Hezbollah's activities in South America, so the threat is... In Mexico is the closest one, but they are operating all over South America. 30,000 at least Iranian agents. They've, doubled, they've opened, I think, 90 cultural centers, which are bases of operation, etc. So the threat from the South is very real, and I think will will grow and will be a big focus in this year, the year ahead. And I said at the speech last year that in uh, into the community that, this is something you better watch because that's going to be a new base, and we see it, it, it coming to fruition. And by the way, for another prediction, watch ter- uh, piracy in the Mediterranean, which we'll come back to. In any event, so Canada had a big presence, and the, the, because of the open border policy, which they have changed, and uh, which changed years ago, and Harper's government tried to do a lot. I think this government hopefully will, will continue that policy of being more restrictive, but there is a danger. It's a long border, and it's very hard to protect it. Wow, um, is this is this starting to become more real to you now? You know, over the last few months, you've emphasized whenever I brought up the presidential election, correctly so. Uh, you've emphasized, uh, you know, many months away. The process is now what a year and a half, two years. And now it's almost March, election November. Obviously, Super Tuesday right around the corner. Is this now becoming more real as you watch this uh, field whittle down? It's still uh, uh, almost a year, it's, uh, 11 months till, till the next president takes over. It's a long 11 months. A lot will happen in that time. I think President Obama is not going to be, let himself become a lame duck. He has agendas. He has things that he wants to do. Uh, I'm much more concerned about what our policy will be t- towards Iran. I'm much more concerned about uh, uh, how we implement the, the anti-terrorism policies, and uh, of course, the domestic agenda, which I don't deal with, but right. are, are there are, is there anybody on either stage where you say to yourself they can handle the future with Iran? They can handle. Well, I don't p- want to get into the political campaign. No, I know, and, I understand. But individuals, no, but, but yes, I'm not. There but, are people, there but, are people there who I think understand and who get the danger and are capable and are capable enough to to lead us through what's going to be a very difficult period. Uh, I, you'd have to agree, right? I mean, the, the next few years. Well, it's hard to say where we will be a year from now. I think a lot of changes can take place. I certainly hope that you know we're not going to see uh, an embassy open, and we're not going to see efforts to to diminish the 
the strong stance against Iran, America led, but including the Europeans who seem to back off of everything and don't have the will to, to stand up to things. I think the, um, uh, the, the growth of terrorism, et cetera, and their activities, Iran's not going to sleep for a day. And I think the election there, uh, unless it's some dramatic change, but it could send a message, it's not going to uh, bring about a dramatic uh, change. So for me, the, the real key right now is that, that we have to keep focus as important as I think participation in the process. People should back candidates. People should support them, ask questions of them, read about them. But we can't afford for a minute to take our eyes off the real issues, which just, I mean, if you look at all the things that happen in any single week, right. uh, it's and, so overwhelming. And you've seen, you've seen presidents t- take the last year off, and you've seen others really take the last year on, right? I mean, you've seen both in, in, right. in recent history. And this president, because of his age, and I think younger presidents generally, have to worry about their legacy. Right. I mean, once heard him say that his name is on the Iran bill, and uh, he said that, you know, I have to deal with it 30 years from now, right. because he's young, and he has right. he, he, the legacy issues is something he talks about uh, a, a great deal. And um, I think that the... the uh, you know the potential for explosions. Look, look, Syria is is such a, a serious issue with Assad now saying he wants, you know, to take over the whole country. The Russians obviously don't want it. They don't want to get bogged down in a greater war. And then they had this emerging coalitions and coalescence of of uh, of powers. The 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 strong line in the sand between Russia and the United States, the um, and China, by the way, on the on the side of Russia in a lot of this. Also, the, the domestic things about uh, the growth of anti-Semitism, to me, that the, the, we just had a conference this, early this week in Jerusalem, uh, which I attended, which dealt with it, and people from around the world came. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you what the attitude in Israel is about the whole BDS movement, and if they're watching closely what's going on in this area and really other areas of the U.S. as well, on college campuses, etc. Extremely closely. And I, I would say I, I was a little surprised about the resources the government is applying to it. And one of the things that uh, General Kuperwasser, who, who's been dealing with this at the uh, now he's at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, uh, he said you have to understand what we're facing. When he spoke to the president's conference, he talked about the connection between the knives and the BDS. He said this, the knives are not popular resistance; they're terrorism just as BDS is terrorism. Right. And he said at its core, it's anti-Semitism. Right. It, it is the denial of the right to Jews to have their own state, to have self-determination. Right. And, and he said that people fall prey because they use these sophisticated methods, and it seems like, you know, disconnected. And he talked about the incitement on Palestinian TV, talked about the underlying messages. And thank God we're beginning to see a backlash. You know, the Paris City Council adopted resolutions which are not, Binding, but which condemned attempts to boycott Israel uh, in the UK. New regulations were were enacted to um, allow the government to prosecute universities or student unions and others that back BDS. And um, uh, and then a lot of leaders came out against it. But the the um, the proliferation of BDS is very much of concern to them. And it's it's and uh, I have to tell you, when you listen to what people around the world are doing to stand up to it. It's not the BDS so much. It's not the economic impact of the boycott, divestment, and sanctions uh, efforts. It is, to me, the alienation from Israel, the political implications, the propaganda 
which is behind it, because right. the economic impact is, is much more limited. That's why it's so effective on the college campuses, because and it's really it, only those issues that are addressed. There's no you know, real economic issues that are being addressed. And you saw that, this, that uh, Florida Senate passed an anti-BDS measure by 112 to 2, right. and uh, in Iowa, they, the House of Representatives, by a 70 to 24 vote, uh, blocked state companies from an investment state from investing in companies that are publicly boycotting and we've had many other states and new york state is uh, as well working on it uh, and the the uh, so there is now a reaction to bds uh something many people i know their eyes glaze over when we talked about it what a couple of years ago already and kept warning that this is a growing movement what what is dangerous is that the expansion on campuses and how this morphs not only into anti-israelism but into anti-semitism and you know i know it's a term i don't like to use because it's a, it's a very powerful charge but we have to demand that universities take greater account and we see now faculty beginning to mobilize we've seen a number of cases of of uh, faculty members who engage in in really hostile uh, attacks which would not be tolerated in other circumstances we now have through our lawfare project hundreds of lawyers being made available to Jewish students. Um, the vast majority of Jewish students say that they have witnessed or experienced uh, anti-Semitism on the, on the campus. This is really a serious issue, and the BDS gave it a cover, a, a sort of um, a facade behind which to operate, but we should see what the real intent is. Uh, the uh, the Mohammed al-Kik situation with the hunger strike, uh, Israel won or lost now with the with the agreement to release him? Well, it will be betrayed as a loss by some who do not think you should negotiate with these guys and that you just invite others to do it. On the other hand, you don't want to create a martyr, and, and you know, he's become a rallying call, a point for uh, people in the, in the territories and elsewhere. Uh, the deal is not a bad deal. I mean, they just shortened his, his right. uh, imprisonment from June 21st to May 21st. And he went along with it after, I think, a 90-some-day yeah, uh, hunger strike of sorts. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's not a good thing to have happen. It's not something, obviously, Israel wants to do. But on the other hand, the price of a, uh, of a, of creating a martyr could be much greater. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, UN reaction to the um, uh, to the revelation. <laughs> and I don't know what kind of secret it was that that um, Iran is uh, offering this money, you know, for terrorists to accomplish what they, what they think are are good things. It was there, there. I assume there was no official resolution or condemnation. Or am I wrong? No, there was no there was no official condemnation oh. of. Uh, of, of Iran for this. Iran rarely gets condemned in the United Nations. And the, um, uh, and nor are the, you know, there were some comments about the knife of Fada and, and the, the which, uh, term I, I use reluctantly because I don't want people to take it too lightly. You know, people paying with their lives for, for this. Yep. And we've seen the numbers are, are high in the number. I think there were 188 attacks. Uh, and uh, many others that, thank God, the vast majority of them are thwarted and and, uh, and don't take place. So, um, you know, it, and it, it's a serious matter because it becomes uh, a way, as, as Khamenei said, of undermining the government by making life intolerable. Thank mm-hmm. God life is not intolerable in, in Israel, and, and it's still isolated, but it's, it's very painful. You saw this young... 
I have father, yep. a small child. It seems every it week. your heart when you yep. read it. It seems. I mean, not to minimize the other episodes, but it seems all of them exactly. But at least, at least, well, whatever at whatever pace it is, it, it just seems that the you know there's there's always some extra heartbreaking story, if I could put it that way. Uh, not that one is more heartbreaking than the other. Uh, New York Times Prime Minister Netanyahu has long counted his British counterpart David Cameron as a staunch friend in the shrieking world of dependable allies. I like the way they put that. Yet that did not prevent Netanyahu from responding sharply Thursday to Cameron's stinging assertion that he found Israel's effective encirclement of East Jerusalem and the extent of its construction in that contested territory, quote, genuinely shocking. My friend David Cameron, who's undoubtedly a friend of Israel, seems to have forgotten a few basic facts about Jerusalem. Is Cameron still a friend or is he more of a foe? Well, I don't know where you draw the line between friend and foe, but the the, the question is whether he's really informed. And, the, you know, when you talk about encirclement, how come he didn't talk about the Arab encirclement, the, the construction of uh, by them, and, and the, you look at all the new construction that's going on, and the, when you talk about the capital of a country, I mean, you know, people draw distinctions, let's say, between Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem, some uh, leaders, when they say, "Look, you're building your capital," it's it's, uh, it's a, a different thing than building outside. I, I know what the legal restrictions. I understand all of that, but uh, I think Cameron's comments were were really uh, very extreme. And because he was a friend to do that, he, he, did he speak to the prime minister first? Did he find out what the real nature of it is? He didn't visit there and make a tour around it to find out. So how did he get the information? Who fed him this stuff? And and uh, the truth is that a lot of the construction that we read about hardly takes place. You know, I looked into the, um, you remember when Biden visited, there was an announcement of a uh, new development in Ramat Shlomo, I think it's called. And not one thing has happened since then. Yet we paid such a heavy price in PR and insulted Vice President, and not insulted was a low-level official made an announcement Till now, and now the vice president is likely to be visiting again, uh, hopefully without any announcements at the time, that, uh, that nothing was built. The, the, um, there is obviously construction going on. We see the reports of, of it at the legalizing of outposts, but the, the relative numbers are, are not that great, and you know countries have uh, their understanding of their international law, their interpretations, whatever. But I think Cameron would have been wiser to talk to Netanyahu, and if so, and if he could not justify what he was doing, then he has a right to say, express his view. Does he have a lot of pressure at home? We, we, we always are curious about, you know, European countries and, uh, you know, the people within those countries, uh, if, they're, uh, if, if they're influencing their leaders when it comes to Israel. Does he have to play to that crowd? Is that one of the reasons why he may have gone out of his way to, uh, to condemn the encirclement? Absolutely, there are uh, forces there, and as you know, some of his opposition are are not very friendly to Israel. And the um, although that the polls show that support for BDS, for instance, is is very low, uh, but support for the Palestinians is greater than support for Israel in England by a couple percentage points. Uh, the story about the uh, member of Parliament in Egypt that met with the uh, Israeli ambassador. Hosted him for dinner. Right, host, hosted him for right. dinner. One of the, and I, we sort of spoke about this over the last couple of weeks, it, it's, it's got to be one of the most interesting um, uh, relationships to watch at this point in the Middle East, and that's Egypt-Israel. Because it, it, it's, it, there's certainly not, you know, as it, it doesn't seem like they're as radical or as anti-Israel as other countries, yet you have this, you know, yet you have a, a group 
or you have a uh, the, the, yet yet there's yet there are still plenty of people it seems in the Egyptian government who are you know wary of Israel and are very uh, uh, and Egyptian people to 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 a large degree in all the polls. Uh, don't forget, they've been—they were fed an, a, 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 a diet of constant excitement. Uh, I cited to you that for the first time they have new textbooks. Right. I, mean, I mentioned last week yeah. that that acknowledge the peace treaty and say that the state of war ended. This is a dramatic, to me, a really dramatic change in in uh, uh, in, in the country uh, that they allow it. But also pretty dramatic, frankly, was that President Sisi met with us for when we were there two right. weeks ago. Uh, for two and a half hours, but more importantly, or as important uh, in terms of public perception, is he, he 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 invited us to a picture, a group picture with him, and he put it out. His office put out the picture, and it's on his Facebook page. And the Muslim Brotherhood attacked him as CC the Jew and etc. But I think that that's a statement as well. I'm not telling you that this isn't driven by current interest. It is, but. There is a sea change, and I think he is trying to send a, a different message, including about radical Islam, by some of his activities um, uh, with, with Al-Azhar, etc. And he he is trying to, I think, acclimate people by talking about the level of cooperation uh, between uh, Israel and Egypt. Look, he has to worry about a domestic circumstance that is, is really uh, economically not viable, when 50% of people make $2 a day, the tourism industry is being decimated, as it is in Turkey. Uh, and the, he faces challenges on, from, from in the challenge in Yemen, the challenge on his borders from, from the Sudan, from one side, Sinai, where he, and you see the reports now that Gazans are, are going into Sinai to fight uh, as terrorists, and, and there's been recruitment and ties between ISIS and Hamas, a lot of discussion about it. He's taken real steps to close the tunnels. He's trying to fight the terrorism, and then he has the biggest problem on the Libyan border, which gets almost no attention here. But you have now bases uh, in Serta, which I told, you know, we talked about four weeks ago. Uh, there are more than 5,000 ISIS troops there, and some of the leading ISIS officers are going there now. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you that, th that you will see that they will start doing piracy in, in the Mediterranean like you had off the coast of Somalia. You know, they will attack uh, cruise ships, they'll attack other things. And, and it's 300 miles from Serte to, to, to Crete, which is part of Europe, to Greece. You know what's shocking, by the way, and I hate to say it publicly, but it's shocking that Sisi's still alive. It is, and it's uh, not something we should take for granted. Right. I know a lot of people pray for his health, cause, and as I said in the press this, this week, um, just think of what the Gaza war would have been like had right. he not been in power. What if, if, if Morsi right. had still been in power? That's right. How many lives would have been lost? How many uh, Israeli soldiers? How much different would the, the arsenal of, of Hamas and ISIS in be there? And the, the presence of these, uh, of, of Iran, would it be that much greater? Because he is fighting Iran. He is, uh, against it. And, uh, and by the way, in Libya also, they've took, they took the center of a, of a city called Sabrata, which is, uh, regional capital and and uh, so ISIS moved in there. They took the the center. They took over the intelligence or security building. They beheaded twelve guys, just one shot, and then they were driven out uh, uh, back out. So Libya today is a boiling cauldron, and and you know it's divided into at least three parts, but it's 147 tribes, and nobody wants to take responsibility. We don't talk about it. The United States supposedly is involved in some clandestine operations. I hope so. 
I hope that will be expanded because uh, Libya will, will, will greatly affect Egypt's security, Tunisia's security. This is, again, a cancer that spreads the instability there and from there into Africa. Uh, all of these things, and when we met, meet African leaders, I mean, they're, they're apoplectic about the dangers that come from this. And I'm sure Israel is watching it very closely as they are everything else 360 they, and degrees around And they are building ties well. in Africa. They are working with every day. And, and uh, President Sisi said to us, if, if uh, when Sadat came 40 years ago, no one could have imagined that we would have this level of cooperation and coordination with Israel. That's true. And, and uh, that 1,000 Egyptian tanks go into the Sinai and Egyptian warplanes fly every day along the border of Israel, and nobody has to worry about a straight right. bullet. All right. Oh, we got to continue next week. Thank you. God Sorry. willing. Say God willing. He's right. There's so much to do. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. Uh, the, the complete weekly update will be available in the NSN app and on the website uh, within minutes. Uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitisa with candle lighting at 524. Rabbi Yudin's words, and Esther Halevi. Um, his words are coming up in just a moment. Reminder, JM Sunday with Matis happens this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. In addition to uh, Miriam Peretz, author of Miriam's Song, being his guest, Gary Sher, the Assemblyman from New Jersey, leading the delegation to Israel, is going to be his guest, plus Asaf Cohen from Hollywood. The actor is scheduled as well, and that's happening uh, all Sunday between 7 and 9 uh, on JM Sunday with Matis. Tune in Sunday morning on jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisisa. Parshas Kisisa to the Chinuch contains nine mitzvos, Four positive and five restrictions. It begins with the mitzvah of Matzis HaShekel, whereby the entire Jewish people funded the karbonos, the offerings that was brought in the Beis HaMikdash, all of the communal offerings. The dominant aspect of this parasha is that of the Chet Egel the sin of the golden calf and the second set of luchos of tablets that are given in replacement for the first. The Gemara at the beginning of Avodah Zarah tells us that this really doesn't make sense that a people who have experienced such revelation firsthand from God in Egypt, the splitting of the sea, and the revelation at Sinai that literally 40 days later afterwards they're going to fall to this terrible level. So the Talmud suggests one reason and that is that this was like orchestrated on high to show the Jewish people tshuva l'rabim that the masses the Jewish people could always come back to Hashem regardless of the terrible sin that the people have done that an individual has done he is always ready willing to take us back 
I'd like to focus on a very interesting point, namely, when the Torah tells us in Parshas Kisisa, at the beginning of chapter 31, who the architect was that was selected to oversee the construction of the Mishkan. Says the Torah, Behold, I have called and designated by name Bitzaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the Mate Yehuda, from the tribe of Judah. Now, the Torah tells us that with him was Ahaliyah, this is in Pasuk 6, Ben Achisamach, the Mate Dun. So now my only question is, why? Why is Bitzalel given the pedigree of not just who his father was, his father was Uri, but his grandfather as well, Hur, is mentioned in the text. Why by Aliyah, and most often in the Torah, it's just the father, Aliyah ben Achisama. Now, it's clear that Hur who is Bitzalel's grandfather, plays a major role in his being selected. The Meshachachma and the comment of the Meshachachma is found in next week's parsha of Vayakel, when the Torah repeats in chapter 35, Pasuk 31, again, Bitzalel ben Uri ben Chur lemate Yehuda. And it's there that he writes this comment, but it's equally applicable to our uh, parsha, and that is a very significant point. Hur was one of the two persons that we find at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, that when Moshe goes up to Har Sinai, he says to the Jewish people, Hinei Aaron v'chur imachem. Behold, Aaron and Hur are in charge. Should there be a problem, you go to them. There was a problem. They miscalculated. And they thought the day that Moshe went up was day one of the 40. And hence, 40 days later, to their calculation, Moshe is gone. They panic. And then, They're looking for a replacement for Moshe, for an embodiment as to what Moshe was to them. Moshe was a man, but yet, literally, God's very presence spoke from Moshe's throat. They were looking for, as well, some kind of a intermediary that would replace Moshe. They come to Chur, and Chur says, what, are you crazy? That's idolatry. And what do they do? They kill Hur. So now, very simply, says the Meshachachma, the Mesiras Nefesh, literally, the total giving of oneself, in a very literal sense, which Hur fulfilled, is to be done without any type of deliberation. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I 
utilize all my various forms of chachma, all my knowledge to try to rationalize and explain why, after all, I should not give up my life. And as a result of Chur doing just that, not focusing on his knowledge, but rather saying, look here, this is wrong, and I'm willing to give my life for this, rather than try to come up with all kind of rationalizations. If I live, I can do this for the people, I can do that for the people. As a result of this, therefore, says the Meshachachma, because he, if I can use the term in Hebrew, Hisrokein, he emptied from within himself all kinds of cheshbonos, all kinds of calculations. What does God do in reward to him? As a result, the Pasuk says, Vay Amalei Oso, Hashem says, I have filled B'Tzalel with Ruach Elohim, literally with a godly spirit, with Chochmah, with wisdom, with Tfuna, with insight, with Da'as, and with knowledge. And Rashi says that Da'as is actually Ruach HaKodesh. Unbelievable. Because Chur did not go to his knowledge, Mida Kenegen Mida, a measure for a measure, God gives Chur in return through his grandson, B'Tzalel, all this knowledge. The Talmud tells us in the Gemara Brachos that B'Tzalel had the knowledge as to how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with the letters and words, was able to literally create heaven and earth. And with this power, does he go to create and to implement the building of a Mishkan? And interestingly, when the Torah says, Lamate Yehuda, that he comes from Yehuda, so we find that Nachshon ben Aminadav, at the Yam does the exact same thing. So, B'Tzalel had in his DNA, B'Tzalel had literally coming from Mati Yehuda, the tribe of Yehuda, and coming from the tri- uh, being the grandson of Chur, he had this very powerful lesson as to what we're taught in the second chapter of Pirkei Avos, Mishnah 4, Rabbi Gamliel, Tuat Asayritzono You are to look at Hashem's will as if it is your will. You are to submit yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then in the end, So that He will treat your will as if it was His will. And so, the very important lesson that all of us are to learn from Chur is that when it comes to our, quote, understanding of mitzvot, very often I hear from students and people, I don't understand it. So I say to them, yet, you don't yet understand. But even if we will never fully understand. This is exactly the point, that we yield our seichel and nushi, we yield our limited intelligence to his higher intelligence. And that's exactly what 
Chur does. That's what the Gemara in Chulin, Tafhei Amid Beis, teaches, based upon the Pasuk, that we say every Shabbos at Mincha, at the conclusion of Tzidkascha, coming from Tehillim 36, Pasuk 7, Adam Uvehema, Toshia Hashem, you, Hashem, save man and animal, says the Gemara, what is this referring to? Elu B'nei Adam. These are the people, Shehein Arumin Bidas, who are clever and who are knowledgeable, and yet, Mesimen Atzman they conduct themselves humbly and as lowly as animals, meaning even if they don't understand it, they do it anyway. This is our holy Mesora. This is the first point that we are to learn from Chur. And Chur, who at first glance, you might say, was a failure, because after all, he dies. What does he accomplish? Oh my goodness, he dies on Mesiras Nefesh, literally giving of his life and soul for God. And as a result, his grandson is the one who oversees the building of the Mishkan, the sanctuary, which in of itself is a kapara, is an atonement for the sin of the golden calf. Secondly, I think there's a very important lesson that we should all take away from this parasha, and that is the role of a grandparent. I know that in my family, it was my wife's grandfather who came to this country in 1905. And all he was able to do at that time was to work in a factory. And the truth of the matter is, he was such a good worker that they allowed him to be off for Shabbos. But all the other people, all the other Jews who were not off for Shabbos, saying, it's not fair, he's not here, etc., and so they said to him the next week, he has to work for Shabbos. And guess what? He left the position and found himself a pushcart. And so many families have this very special badge of honor and courage whereby grandparents made such mesiras nefesh. We're talking literally that they had trouble putting bread on the table for their children. But because of their great mesiras nefesh for Shabbos, for Kashrus, for sending their children to yeshiva, that's why they were privileged to have generations of children grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are Torah-observant Jews. And therefore, when we read this Shabbos that Hashem chose, B'Tzalel ben Uli ben Chur, I'd like to speak to all of the grandparents that might be listening, all the Chur's in the audience that are listening. What legacy are you going to leave for your children, for your grandchildren. How will you be remembered? Will you be remembered for spending 
football outings and other kinds of celebrations with your grandchildren, or perhaps you're going to be able to forge in their memory such a beautiful memory of grandparent and grandchildren engaged in mitzvahs together. Grandparent and grandchildren engaged in Torah study together. I would suggest speak to your grandchildren Erev Shabbos. Say to them, could you please give me a little Dvar Torah? And depending on the age, you give them, they give you. It's going to enhance and change the relationship because they will see the beautiful concept that there is no generation gap in Torah. And so, Re'eh, take a look. When the Torah goes out of its way and tells us not that Bitzalel had a father called Uri, which is what you'd expect, but he goes a little bit beyond. How many extra words in the Torah? And the answer is none. Ben Chur, wow. It charges each and every one of us that we too, please God, should leave a special legacy for our grandchildren as well. Shabbat Shalom. J.M. in the A.M. Rabbi Yudin's words. And Esther Basar Yosef Halevi. And I thank Rabbi Yudin, of course. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kitiso, with candle lighting time at 5.24 on this Erev Shabbos, up at the uh, YU Svarim sale. The final day will be Sunday, and Avi Seabag is with us live via telephone. He's one of the section managers up there at the sale. Avi, uh, welcome to J.M. in the A.M. Hi, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. How's it been going so far? How have the last uh, three weeks been treating the staff at the Sepharim sale? Let me tell you, Nachum, it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> we, we've had so many people, thank God, coming into our Sepharim sale. And uh, we've been, you know, there's been tremendous amount of stuff that we've sold. Uh, we do our job, not as a book sale, like rather, you know, someone who works in Barnes & Noble. Rather, it's like well, our job is to like disseminate Torah, to be Yagdil Torah. So, like any any bad that could go possibly go wrong in the middle of the sale, kind of gets like flipped around and weighed on the other side because we get we know that like we are sharing and expressing Torah to everybody else, and we get that twist as well. So, it's, it's a great twist to be working the sale. Well, it mind is being a part of it. It is unbelievable how much Torah, academia, and scholarship results because of the uh, efforts of this farm sale, the largest farm sale, I believe, in the entire continent of North America. I think I'm right about that, right? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it, it's funny, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, the, we're the largest farm sale, and uh, how many times that credit card could decline the first time because, you know, Visa and MasterCard see a pop-up book sale on a, on a college campus and someone dropping $1,800 on a shot. Oh, is that so funny? So they have to swipe it a second, a second time. Just so you, we're, not, we're not kidding. Like, we, we know what we're doing. Oh, is that funny? Uh, so, so it's been going well, thank God, and you always have special events that are sprinkled throughout the entire sale calendar. The sale does end Sunday, but it doesn't mean the special events have come to a close. You actually have invited Susie Fishbein to be with you on Sunday at 1 p.m. because it's a, it's, even though it's the last day Sunday, it's a very big day Sunday, right? Yeah, that is correct. Susie Fishbein is actually releasing her last cookbook by the Kosher by Design series at this farm sale on Sunday. 1 o'clock. And, yeah, at 1 o'clock she's going she's to be signing all the papers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it's incredible that, like, you know, Art School worked with us on this, and Susie worked with us on this, 
And we're actually, we had the, almost 500 copies at the sale currently being labeled and being ready to put out for Sunday morning. And she's going to be there. She's going to talk about it. She's going to sign it. And this is, the, this is the last, you know, this is the last part of the Goji by Design series, right. which is a revolutionary cookbook to all Jews. So it's, it's really great that she can do that and be a part of that with us. All right. And Susie's going to join us on Monday morning here at JM in the AM. It's called Kosher by Design Brings It Home with recipes from all around the world. And, uh, again, being introduced 1 o'clock on Sunday at the Sperm Sale. Uh, what, what are the hours? Are you guys open tomorrow night or not? Yes, yeah, so we're open on Moti Shabbos from 7.30 to 11. Okay. And then we're open on Sunday from uh, 10 to 10. But just because the book is, the, 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 yeah, the cookbook is being um, released on Sunday doesn't mean you can't get it now, actually. Ooh. It's on our website, available for pre-order. And I'm, I'm just going to say this as a plug-in, that we do have the cheapest price on most books in Sardin, this included. So if anybody can make it on Moti Shabbos, can make it on Sunday, just get it online, ship to your house right away. It's our pleasure. All right, what's the web address? It's thesafarumsale.com. Simple as that. The Safarum with an O, thesafarumsale.com. Yeah, with an O, yeah, exactly. Safarum that gets you, with an o. gets you straight to the website. They're open tomorrow night starting 730. And this is on the campus of Yeshiva University. Guys uh, and uh, everybody out there who want to be part of the uh, Safarum Sale and shop, um, you want to go to, uh, what would it be, Amsterdam Avenue and 184th Street? Would that be accurate? Yeah, in between the 185 and 184, it's 500 West 185th Street officially. All right, and uh, you'll see this farm sale there. Just ask anybody in the area. They'll tell you exactly how to get there. So you can go tomorrow night and, of course, Sunday from 10 until 10 o'clock. Any other details, obviously, bag, that we need to know about the last days of this farm sale? Um, we happen once a year. So basically, if you guys want to come, get some last-minute farm, get some last-minute books, biographies, novels. We have it all. Um you have to wait till next year if you don't. So come in, say hi to us, talk to us. We love meeting new people all the time. Uh, and I hope to see you guys there. I work in the Hebrew Muslim Shabbat section, and I love to have a chat. I meet, really, I met, I met like a doctor last night. I've met lawyers. I've met rabbis. I've met Hasidim. And I, I love establishing a connection with the customers. Oh, and Please it, come, it, talk it, to us. In your section, you must meet some very interesting people. Yeah, I mean, I have the Hasidim stuff also. So I, I really... <laughs> Thank God, I've met I've met some great great people over the years. I, I met like actually I'm majoring in marketing, and I had met a, a marketing coordinator for uh, from like a um, from he owns his own uh, business. There you go. And I emailed him, and you know we're we're talking now. So there you go. You it, see it's that? It's it's great to meet a bunch of people, and and like really enjoy like all walks of life come to the farm sale. You never it's know. Non-Jewish, everybody comes. You never so, know. You know. Please, it's the last day. Come out, everybody. You never know who you may meet. All right, Avi, thank you. Avi Seabag up at the YU's Farm Sale, yusafarumsale.com. They're open tomorrow night. They're open Sundays. You heard Susie Fishbein will be there at 1 o'clock. Join us Sunday. We'll be at the 12 noon at the Buzz on Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, part of the big grand opening. That starts at 12 noon. Be government officials, big ribbon-cutting ceremony. Mazal tov to the Berman family. A um, a a major major event Sunday on Coney Island Avenue at the grand opening of the Buzz. Our very own Naomi Nachman is going to be there, and other food demonstrations as well, cooking demonstrations, I should say. Uh, there'll be some entertainment and plenty more. So come to the uh, to the uh, centerpiece of Coney Island Avenue uh, between Avenues J and K this coming Sunday for the grand opening of the Buzz. Uh, it should be a lot of fun, smack in the middle of uh, Brooklyn, New York, and. Um, and uh, as I said, Susie Fishbein will join us here on Monday 
at JM in the AM. Speaking of Naomi Nachman, the video of today's show is already up at NachumSiegel.com. You can see it on the homepage. And her audio and uh, everything, of course, uh, that we do on a Friday is coming up uh, on jmnam.org and the NSN app right after we're finished here at JM in the AM. And a great show today. I can tell you that. Well, she always does great shows. Uh, today's no exception. She's got uh, Gabriel Geller from Royal Wines and superstar chef Srilly Edelman from Izzy's Brooklyn Smokehouse. Everyone wants to hear from uh, from Srilly, and you get to hear him with Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Then the uh, NSN Arab Shabbos music mix with uh, our friends at Kedem in advance of their big KFWE, the Kosher Food and Wine Experience, which is Monday night. You'll hear that uh, entire presentation of the uh, Arab Shabbos music mix coming up um, from 10 a.m. until candlelighting time. And then Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night. Uh, Avrami is going to be hosting starting at 9 p.m. Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler is going to be speaking on the Torah portion of the week tomorrow night. J.M. Sunday with Matis. He has Miriam Peretz, author of Miriam's Song, joining him Sunday morning. Assemblyman Gary Sher as well. And actor Asaf Cohen is scheduled as well. Talk about the Oscars and diversity in Hollywood. That's all happening with Matis on Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. JMN.org and on the NSN apps. There's a lot going on. Everybody out there should be... Uh, should be tuned in, listening in, and enjoying all of the great programming. J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning era of Shabbos with candle lighting at 524. Schwebel, Scharf, and Levine.
Shrebel Sarf and Levine. Curry Bone. Candle lighting at 524. JM in the AM. Don't forget to follow us all through the weekend on the social media at uh, Nahum Siegel Net on um, Twitter. Facebook update page simply entitled Nahum Siegel Network. You can check that out on Facebook. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. So throw away your hand. 
Achena Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up a great week. My thanks again to Benjamin Mayer and Mayer for taking over Monday through Wednesday. And my thanks to all of you for tuning in and being part of this JMNAM experience. Thanks for listening all day long. Naomi Nachman is coming up next at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. And, of course, our incredible Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Sunday, we'll see you at the Buzz on Coney Island Avenue starting at 12 noon. Everybody show up for the big celebration that starts at 12 noon, smack in the middle of Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Looking forward to that. And, of course, Monday morning we're back. We'll speak some Nefesh Benefesh as their mega event is coming up. Plus, Susie Fishbein is supposed to stop by our quaint fourth-floor studios here in Jersey City. How do you like that? Have a fab. And don't forget JM Sunday with Matis. A lot of great guests. Wonderful lineup starting at 7 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Until next week, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.